0: I thought we'd uh, reflect for a few minutes I won't, promise this won't be a long sermon at all but in, uh, we'll turn to Ephesians, reflect in Ephesians chapter four. This morning, I was uh, working on a brief devotion that will be coming out um, for Ascension Day, um, our own CNM, which, if you don't know what CNM is, it's uh, Chadi, Nicole and Michelle. It's their production team. Um, and they've put together a number of things in the past. Think of like the Thanksgiving Day devotions that were sent out and various other things. And so um, they are putting together these devotions for Ascension Day. And I was reflecting a bit on Ephesians 4, so I won't give away my whole devotion um, in the sermon here. Um, but at least we'll have a, a bit to reflect upon. Um, specifically, I want to reflect upon our identity as those who possess a heavenly identity. And this is what Paul draws out. When he refers to the church as saints. And we'll say more about that in a moment. But we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'll begin reading at verse 1. Actually, let me me first begin by reading Ephesians chapter 1, just Paul's opening. And then we'll turn to Ephesians chapter 4. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And jumping to chapter 4, it says there, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, what does it mean when the Apostle Paul refers to the church, and speaking also then to you, to call you saints? Now we might think of the Roman Catholic sense of that word, where a saint was a distinguished person who set himself apart from all other ordinary believers, often one who performed some type of miracle, and one who was endowed with a special measure. And so we have certain days, at least the Roman Catholic Church would have certain days where they would worship or honor, revere saints on certain days. But during the Reformation, the realization came to the surface that it was not special individuals who were saints, but rather the whole church, every member of the body of Christ was a saint, even as the Apostle Paul addresses the church at Ephesus, to the saints who are in Ephesus. And then later in the chapter we just read, chapter 4, he speaks about the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And so what what does Paul mean when he speaks of you as a saint? Well, the literal translation of that word would be the word hagios, uh, just means holy. And a saint is simply just a holy one. And so why is Paul then referring to you, referring to the church as those who are holy ones? I think the clue here. Uh, to understand, or the included the answer here is found in the fact that the Apostle Paul speaks of the Christian as one who is endowed with, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You are considered a saint, a holy one, because in, indwelling in you is the very spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that causes us to be saints, to be people who are holy unto the Lord. And notice how Paul speaks of this. For example, in verse 12, he says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So here, Paul is speaking about the church as those who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, that we might then be equipped for the building up of the church. The church as the very temple of God where he would dwell among his people. But, also, but notice also how here Paul speaks of the work as the work of the saints, right? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's the work that you perform, that you are called to in Christ, to carry out in his church out of love for God and love for his people, right? It's attributed to you. It's, it's your calling in uh, this life. But notice what Paul says earlier. In chapter 2, verse 22, I can go back a few verses, begin reading at verse 18, it says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, right? So the language here is very reminiscent of the temple being built in the Old Testament, right? A cornerstone stones being laid, the purpose here is to compare the church to the house of God, the temple, where God dwells among his people. And this temple today is being built up, spiritually speaking, as people are gathered into the church. And this work takes place through the ministry of the spirit built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. He goes on to say, verse 21, in whom, in Christ, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And notice verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now think about that. So here in in chapter 2 verse 22, Paul speaks of this building project as the work of the Spirit. You also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. It's the Spirit who is at work, the Spirit of Christ, building the church Building the temple of God today. And yet, later, Paul says in chapter 4, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So, whose work is it? Is it the work of the Spirit or is it the work of the saints? Well, that's a false question to ask. It's a false dichotomy because it's both. It's that God accomplishes this building project through his saints who work not in their own strength and serve not by their own ability, but serve with the very strength of the Spirit. It's both the saints working with and by the Spirit who indwells them that we engage in the work of the church. And it's for this reason again that Paul wants us to recognize that our identity then, what defines us, what motivates us, what moves us, what empowers us is not an earthly source. And it's not found in ourselves, but rather it is the gift of heaven. It is the Holy Spirit sent out, poured out by Christ upon his church. Paul says when Christ ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. The primary gift that that Christ poured out upon his church is the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we are spirit-enabled, spirit-empowered people to engage in the work of ministry. And this means then what seems ordinary in the church, ordinary acts of love, of selflessness, of giving ourselves to one another are actually signs of the Spirit at work among us. In a world of self selfishness, in a world of people building a name for themselves, in a world of, of, of Babel after Babel, the Tower of Babel being built over and over again for the glory of man and out of pride of man, in the midst of that, Christ is building his church with a people empowered by the Spirit of heaven. And it means then that we are not marked by pride, but humility. We're not marked by hatred and making a name for ourselves, but love. Which is why Paul later in Ephesians 4 says we're being built up in love, speaking the truth in love to one another. We we are built up into Christ who is our head. And so then when we think about our position, our role, our calling in the church, we're to realize first and foremost that the ascension of Christ means that I have been gifted with the Holy Spirit not to build a name for myself but to serve one another out of love. And it means also then that what I am building and what I'm striving for in the church is not to be compared to what I see around me on the earth. The church stands unique. That's the power of the church on the on earth today. Is that we don't adopt the ways and the means and the practices of the organizations and nations around us we stand as a unique people because we are uniquely endowed with the very spirit of Christ and therefore it's within the church that the glory of Christ the glory of heaven itself shines forth and this again is caught up in your very identity as a saint as a holy one your life is now bound for the promised land as that old hymn goes your life is now caught up in the heavenlies with Christ, as Paul says in chapter 1, that we have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And therefore, we engage in the work as if heaven is here on earth. We engage in this work by the Spirit of Christ, enabling us and strengthen us. And therefore, this ought to give us great courage, and it, also, it should give us confidence, confidence, and boldness to, to serve the church out of love, not to remain on the peripherals, not merely to take and, and, and receive, but to give myself for the sake of the body of Christ the church and to aim for not likeness to the world around us and not the applause of the world around us, but to aim for heaven. And to walk in this very spirit of Christ. Your identity in Christ is one who is a saint. A holy one. One devoted to God. And as those devoted to God were devoted also then to one another. To build up the church in the very power of the spirit of Christ. The spirit of the one who has ascended on high. And the spirit of the one who is reigning and ruling over all things. And so, the church itself is a testimony to the very gospel of Jesus Christ. The church, our existence today, testifies to the fact that he has ascended. If you want proof of the ascension of Christ, well, look at his church. And look around you at the very acts of love and of kindness, of speaking the truth with one another. These are all marks of the church being filled with the Spirit Many of us came out of a, maybe a Pentecostal background. We'll come to a conclusion here. I, I came out of such a background. And, and often you thought, at least in the Pentecostal church, that where the Spirit was, you're going to see these kind of wild acts. Uh, there's going to be these charismatic gifts being exercised and, and things that are extraordinary that was became the, defi- the, the defining characteristic of the Spirit at work. But really, what is extraordinary and really what is supernatural. But but in a world of selfishness, a selfless people existing. And therefore, where we see selfless acts of love in the church, it's there that we say that's the spirit of God and I give thanks to God for all of that. It's a relying on the spirit, desiring the glory of Christ. We serve one another with the gift of the spirit in order that we might be built up into Christ who is our head to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you have sent uh, your only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came, lived a perfect life of righteousness for us in our place, who died a death uh, that we deserved in our place, who was raised for us and who has also ascended for us and has sent his Spirit for us that we might walk in the newness of life, to walk in the very power of heaven itself, And so help us, Lord, in the midst of a world that desires to be conformed to it, a conformity to the spirit of the age. Help us not to be conformed, but to be renewed in our minds, that we might walk as those who are saints, holy ones, devoted to you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may that look like us serving one another out of love for each other. And so where we might have opportunities to serve, may you grant those to us, and where we see acts of service and, and of love, and, and where we experience those, may we uh, give thanks to one another, uh, but also more importantly, give thanks to you, for we know that it's you who works these things in us. And so may your church here at Messiah's Reform Fellowship be a light in this dark world. May we shine forth the glories and light of heaven that others may be attracted, and it might draw the, um, all men uh, to Christ, uh, to know him and to know the transforming power of what it means to belong to him as well. And so, Father, we pray that you would accomplish these things for the glory of your name. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.